Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. <laughs> this is Zach. This is Stuart. <laughs> Sorry, we had some uh, recording issues with uh, with our our platform. Um, I've noticed that they've they've been making some changes, and it's kind of impacted. I wouldn't call them recording things. issues. I would call them more Stuart issues than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but no. you know, but, I uh... is is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> no no it's it's not you this this thing always uh, takes forever to actually send out links but um yeah i guess tonight we'll we'll talk about uh your uh book club choice the uh neil stevenson's 1992 novel uh snow crash yeah i what oh go ahead oh i i have really enjoyed this book um did did you read it previous to um this suggestion yes yes okay. I, okay. I, I so this wasn't it. like a new a new read for you no 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 yeah i i had read it um i think the first time i was probably in college mm. and then i read it ooh, several months ago now because i've had covid and thankfully we've had a uh, uh <laughs> Well, thankfully you're okay. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, I am okay. <laughs> um, that shit's real. Uh, I don't understand these people that that are fine with getting it multiple times, but you know. <laughs> I mean, it sucks. Luckily, knock on wood, I've only gotten it uh, once, but yeah. but yeah, it's it's no joke. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I know a couple people who just absolutely refuse because they say it's a hoax, and it's like, man, you've had it like five times now, like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It used to be four, but now, like, they they're out of the office right now because they have they have had it. This is their fifth time, and it's like, well, oh, these it are exists. Yeah. <laughs> but books. Um... Yeah, let's talk about the real life, uh, or the, the 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 fake plague instead of the real life plague. I mean, and <laughs> so I really. And I don't think it should be a, a big surprise to a lot of our, our listeners, but I'm a, a big fan of this kind of genre, of this kind of like cyberpunk, cyber post-apocalyptic um, feel, because it doesn't feel so um, abstract. It doesn't feel, um, it feels like it could be real. And it's really interesting that some of the the words that we use today were um, derived from this book, like um, yeah. when they use like avatar and then the metaverse. You know, um, Facebook kind of like took that away. But like, also in this book, there um, at the very beginning. Um, uh, I want to say Canada, but it's not Canada. It's it's California has seceded, and you know it. It's always interesting to explain to people like how big um, California is, and how, like how it could, in fact, be its like own sovereign like country. Yeah, well, so, like, this this book, uh, I, I always lumped this book together with um, Neuromancer, 
by William mm-hmm. Gibson, yes. and that like both, like so Stevenson and and Gibson are fairly similar um, people. Stevenson, I think, has more hands-on um, coding knowledge. Like like apparently, Gibson still writes articles and stuff for Wired by faxing oh. them into the office, like on his typewriter. Like he 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 is not okay. as tech savvy as you'd think. Yeah. based on what he's responsible for creating, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, like, they're they're very prescient novels. Um, you know, like you said, the, the idea of uh, avatars and web space actually comes from this book. Like, this, that's the first time it's appeared in literature. Yeah, and even, like, cryptocurrency. Like He mentions it, cryptocurrency in here, kind of. He's written another novel that... I highly recommend uh, if you can. It's a doorstop of a of a novel. It's um, well, it's I mean, this is thirteen hundred pages called Cryptonomicon, mm. and he's describing how cryptocurrency works. But like, it, it was written in like nineteen ninety six. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this book was written in nineteen ninety six as well. Uh, no, ninety two. Oh, ninety two. Okay. Yeah, yeah, ninety two. Yeah, well, was... and, and it's funny. I don't know how long he was planning this book because. Yeah. I was reading, and he originally wanted to make this some sort of, like, and I don't even know what he was planning, because, again, this is 92 when it's published, but um, they were they were going to make it a graphic novel that was also computer-generated. Yeah, that was it. was working with an art artist. Um, but they stopped doing that because I think... Um, I think I read this in the foreword of, of the library copy. I've, I've never seen it anywhere else. Um, where he's saying that, that, or like, I, I didn't see it in my copy of it that I had in college, but, mm-hmm. um, he was saying something along the lines of, of to, to make the computer do what they needed it to do. Um, they needed to do a lot of like image processing software. Yeah custom written and so he jokingly i i I hope jokingly says that he spent way more hours coding that program together than he did actually writing the book writing the book and then they they ended up not doing it anyway so (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah it's it's um it's really fascinating like I, i don't know if you've seen the meme um going around of of uh what is it the the you know sci-fi author writes a book warning the society of uh embracing the technology of the torment nexus and then some crypto bro or or tech bro comes along and goes i've got this brand new product i can market to people it's called the torment nexus yeah it's like sci-fi author no no please (laughs) yeah when they like name something skynet like an ai and you're like what yeah but that's just like asking for trouble. Yeah, or like uh, you know Peter Thiel naming his his um, spying software or, pro- or uh, hardware or whatever Palantir. It's like no, you missed the point. Yeah, you name, but you missed the point of. <laughs> You're like, I think this is a cool name and a cool reference. It's like no, I don't think you actually know the source material or like fully understand. Yeah, well, like it's it's funny to me that like zuckerberg you know like you like you alluded to earlier um just flat out like facebook is now meta Um, yeah he took the the idea of the metaverse specifically from this novel and i don't know what your takeaway is 
I didn't get the idea that he was writing positively of the net of the metaverse. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> in this book, the metaverse is very much like this dodgy, seedy sort of. It's dangerous. Place. It's dangerous. It's like alleys. It's like back alleys of like, <laughs> and it's like I don't think you want your like half avatars now full avatars legs legs are now in the the metaverse uh yeah, yeah well and and um you know the idea for it is interesting because you know like without this i don't think you really have um you know like your ready player ones or yeah any of cyberpunk isekai type or you you don't really have the matrix i don't think either because that's that's also a concept that's that kind of owes some credit to this book mm -hmm. yes um but um yeah it's it's very funny to me that that there are so many like if if you spend a, a lot of time online uh there are a lot of like anarcho-capitalists that really love this book and also cryptonomicon and it's it's along the same lines of what we were just saying about you know tech creators not understanding the purpose of the author's work yeah yeah <laughs> and they just it's it's it sounds cool but it's like if you read between the lines of, of what he's writing about it's, it's, a, it's dystopia it's, it's dystopia it's yeah. not great <laughs> yeah because like even like so like california becomes like a sovereign uh its own like country but like it's run by like a lot of corporations and it has its own um like police force and and even in this um this like metaverse uh one of the main like story hooks is they end up finding this virus that can like actually physically affect you which is yeah it's interesting because it's like a a neurological sort of um virus yeah and, yeah and that's when you kind of i guess blur a little bit into like the actual sci-fi of the world because i mean i guess technically that could be a thing i mean i i don't know if it's it is in the way that this book depend because like basically what what happens is like i i guess we should start oh i mean we can assume that the the listener has has read this but i like oh yeah so spoiler warning like yeah i mean there there's spoilers in this because we're gonna just assume you've read it but just um to kind of like piggyback on what you're saying about the the setup of the book um mm -hmm. or the setup of the world in the book um yeah, like corporations run everything. Uh, the The U.S. government has failed, um, mm -hmm. and so each each section of the U.S. basically has been carved up into different. Um, uh, let me look up something real quick. It's called a because I just wrote down the the acronym like a dummy uh, for <laughs> me. Um, um uh, franchise organized quasi national entity yeah um, the f o q n e s yeah yeah and so so like uh here the which i think it's hilarious that the main character in this book that we follow is named hero protagonist yeah um, <laughs> and it's like 
that's just it's, totally thumbing his his uh, yeah. teeth at, at um you know a, a lot of the you know late eighties early nineties um there was this like fear of Japan corporate culture mm. taking over uh, in America and so I I think naming him H I R O hero um is kind of thumbing his 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 teeth at, at that idea of, of like being scared of of the other or whatever yeah um and then just yeah the concept of having your main character be called hero protagonist is very funny as a lit major <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like okay but, um yeah like so so the the uh main character is this this uh, pizza delivery driver literally for the mafia um, yes. The American Mafia's corporation is using a front called Mr. Lee's Greater Hong Kong, which is a like a food delivery place mm-hmm. or a pizza um, restaurant, I think, which is kind of funny. Um, oh, no, that's that's my uh, lines running together. It is not. Uh, yeah, the, the Mafia, I, I forget the name of the business, but it's it's, you know a pizza restaurant or an Italian restaurant. And he's a delivery. Yeah, it was like Uncle them. Um, Izo, I think. Yeah, I, so. I think it's something like that. Um, it's, it's uh, yeah, no, like he, he is a delivery driver and also a, a hacker, obviously, because like it's a cyberpunk novel. So of course he's going to be a hacker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he fails his delivery he runs into a courier who is like a skateboard delivery person um who's the yeah this um protagonist like deuteragonist yeah and i think her name is um yt truly yeah (laughs) i so and this is a little annoying for me as the reader but she ends up talking about herself in like the third person yeah and it's just, uh, did that have any difficulty for you when reading it? Or? Um, not really. Um, yeah. It's it's a weird tonal shift. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's when once you get through like, or once I got through like a chapter or two of it, I was like, okay, this this is this is a way for him to differentiate who's who the character is. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think by yeah. changing up that that uh, perspective. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, it threw me off for a little bit, but I could sort of see why why he used it as like a um, sort of a storytelling um, device. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. So so they um, yours truly and hero protagonist which again hilarious names for characters mm. um uh kind of set up this mutually beneficial partnership where they they kind of steal information and sell it to the cic which i have in my notes here uh but because uh, again the government failed um they are the result of a merger between the cia and the library of congress <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of cool <laughs> kind of cool <laughs> but uh yeah so so hero is in the metaverse um and he's he picks up a package called snow crash mm-hmm. um which i think was like drugs yeah it's that he hints that it's drugs which yeah. is kind of weird to me because it's like okay you're in a cyberspace um 
thing. Yeah. How? Why, how is this going to affect you like a drug? Yeah. Uh, which I think Stevenson would would point out, like, what's the difference between that and taking a tab of acid, for example? Yeah. Like, it, it's just a delivery method. I think is is largely his point. Mm. Um. So one of his, one of Hero's friends looks at a bitmap. Oh yeah, file. I think it was like Dave or Dave. Uh, it's it's so it's written in leak speak. It's I've always said David, but it's David, it's D A five I D. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe Duffy. Good old leak speak. You remember when that was a thing? It, I, because I don't think it's a thing anymore. No, I I only see people doing it um, to make fun. Ironically, yeah. Or at least ironically um, to me. Uh, David or Dafid um, takes takes it, or, or when, when he looks at the image, his computer crashes and he gets, like, real-world brain damage. Yeah, which um, is interesting. Yeah, and, and so this is where it, it gets really weird. And, and um, so Snow Crash is supposedly a... Um, a connection with with like a virus for for evolution uh that's mm-hmm. written in ancient is it sumerian or babylonian i think remember? it's sumerian but like it also has some ties to the legend of the tower of babylon yeah the, the tower of Babylon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so so um yeah so it's written in sumerian <laughs> um and off we go to the yeah. <laughs> to people trying to find this thing that will that will evolve your brain. Um, it's it's kind of, from from there it kind of turns into a uh, kind of a like a like a political thriller almost like it it, it kind of takes on this aspect of uh, hero and YT being on the run for most mm-hmm. of it and random people are after them um you know there are different organizations after them uh the mafia but <laughs> starts chasing them at one point um and then from there there are these these increasingly escalating villains that they're having to contend with so like yeah uh what's his, is it is it raven who's who's the other courier that has like Oh yeah, like yeah. Luke wired into him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just kind of gets a little bit off the rails. Yeah, it it starts to go off the rails at at that point, and I think a lot of this is just kind of it it, it turns into like metaphysics, um, kind of similarly to. Uh, or in a similar way to the way that Neuromancer kind of gets off the rails. And I think it's because, you know, both of these books are being written at a point where your average, like, sci-fi fan isn't going to be very familiar with the actual working components of it. Or even in the case of Gibson, in the case of Neuromancer, uh, the author isn't necessarily as (laughs) knowledgeable on, on how the components work together. Um so like you get things like you know in neuromancer they they say that they're decking into the the net um they never describe how 
Yeah. I like, mean, I'm assuming you plug into your head because the character in that has all these ports and stuff in his neck and in his arms that have to be repaired. But you kind of know that from, or you envision that because of because the of movies and shows really. that you yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's really no, like, discussion of what technology is used to access these things like i'm assuming that they're using computers in this but they never really describe like a rig or how you get yeah they never like kind of talk about the actual like nuts and bolts of any sort of technology so even when like david um ends up kind of like frying himself on this code you know it, it it's interesting because i didn't think that like this was the error of like jacking in into like a computer where if you did have like a neural connection then yeah that could be something that could affect like your neuros like your brain and everything along those lines but i saw it more along the lines of like the actual computers that we use nowadays yeah this one's a little bit further in, into the because i think neuromancer was came out in like 80 or 82 or something so like this is much newer and so it's it's actually much closer to how we understand technology mm-hmm. but yeah. um but yeah i think even even in 92 you know you have a very small percentage of the population who are using computers regularly um and so like what happens is this this packet of information um you know has the sumerian language on it that will reprogram brains yeah um just by the fact that it's written in in like sumerian yeah it's got it's, that like special secret yeah, well, code yeah because in the, the reason awaken the that, secret agent in your head yeah like and the reason for that like i've seen people write up about how it's it's um forget the word i guess it's appropriative or whatever to to pull that but like sumerian is not like a living day culture like the reason he's using it is that sumerian i think is the the oldest language that we have record of yeah and so it's kind of this beginning point um or, or base language that it's like okay this is how our ancestors communicated so it has extra power right yeah um is, is the, I'm assuming that's the thinking at least. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like this is where you, you start getting the the idea that other languages are evolutions um, to protect against the virus that was mm-hmm. encoded in that Ur language. Um, so that, that you have all these languages that form and make people not be able to speak the same language anymore, but it's a way to protect your brain from disintegrating yeah. and being rewritten um which i mean is, is kind of interesting to include that that metaphysical component when you're you're writing a cyberpunk novel i think i think that's a really cool story beat that he takes yeah um yeah and um i i think like the um rife like the bob rife character had been like collecting these particular artifacts and was like kind of um trying to like control um like have some sort of control by using this like this virus right 
from what I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a bit in there where where there's this this entrepreneur. I, yeah, in and Bob Reif. Um, yeah, he's he's been kind of pillaging Sumerian artifacts along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, which, funnily enough, uh, I don't know if you saw a couple years ago Hobby Lobby. You know how they're they're super super religiousy. I did um, not know they were super religiousy. Huh. Yeah, they're the ones that that don't want to pay for birth control and their health insurance plan for employees and uh, yada yada yada. Um, yeah. But but they um they got caught uh buying uh Iraqi anthropological artifacts, which are babylonian like at the age that we're talking they're they're babylonian yeah so when i saw that in the headlines i was like oh shit i've read that somewhere before yeah (laughs) and now Um, we're talking about that book yeah um so it's just funny how life uh yeah they 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 were buying oh no they were actually buying sumerian artifacts that were looted um from Iraq. Uh, yeah, illegal oh, antiquities yeah. shed light on lost civilizations. <laughs> they were buying, like, yeah, 3,500 year old clay tablets. Because they're super religious y and they wanted to have all this stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah, but, like, why have that stuff? I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, they, they got in trouble because, yeah, a lot of them were smuggled out of Iraq. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, with those kind of, like, those um curios or those particular artifacts it's hard because like you know museums want to display them but like usually the museums that get like the most prestigious artifacts are like rich european um Mm -hmm. like places that have taken these artifacts from like their culture from where they originated and now it's it's in a a place that like if those people wanted to like view that artifact and like reconnect to their past well they can't see it because it's so far away and it's not accessible and yeah and i mean not to even mention like the actual history of like pillaging stuff and just like taking it back to like the more rich european like countries and like and yeah and how maybe they should probably give some of those artifacts back to the actual you know uh culture that that created those artifacts yeah sorry didn't mean to like no get on a stump there but but yeah it's 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 a so I find this as an, an interesting book and I didn't even realize that it was like on the top 100 um, like sci-fi books list. Um, oh, is it? I, oh uh, yeah, yeah, Time Magazine, I, yeah. Time Magazine, yeah. I, when I was doing research on it, I, I found out that it was, um, it's gotten quite a few like accolades and as most people kind of, or as most people know, I really enjoy like world building. And I think that this book does a really good uh, job at world building, sort of giving you the, and I do feel like it's a different, because like cyberpunk, when most people think cyberpunk, 
they have a very distinct image in their head. And I don't think, I think this book kind of pushes against that distinct image where it's not like cyberpunky in the way of like neon lights, like cyber samurais, um, crazy sort of stuff. I think this is more grounded in, in, um, in reality yeah it's it's not as far-fetched as like i put a giant you know metal hand on my arm and replaced it and now i can punch through walls and like do somersaults with my robotic arms and legs this is more of like these are people who are quote-unquote like hackers like they're they're um you know missing a lot with technology but there is that sort of physical aspect of like when they're on the run when you know yeah when he is a pizza delivery like he's in the physical space making like deliveries of pizzas and um i i think that this book kind of pushes a little bit on that like bombastic image of cyberpunk and i think it's kind of a an interesting uh take in it on it. Yeah, like this this one is more um it's it's more in common I think with with something like Ready Player 1 where yeah. like at the end of the day there's nothing being fought out in the metaverse, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's still um like I I think that the end of it is is uh you know Uncle Enzo fighting Raven like on a boat like hand to hand yeah <laughs> like they're physically beating the crap out of each other so like yeah it's, it's not like taking part in some sort of metaverse where yeah. you know with player ready one there was that aspect of it taking place in the metaverse as well as in the um the physical the real world yeah. yeah and again it's not like when they were having this like hand-to-hand combat that they were like pulling it out like you know, samurai swords that like vibrate or like, you know, using their optic eyes exactly. to like shoot people and stuff like that, where you'll find that in Neuromancer. Neuromancer kind of coined the, um, the phrase, um, street samurai. Yeah. Um, where this one, there's just, you know, it, it's very much, uh, based in reality. And I kind of, I like that as a, a different um, view into cyberpunk because, again, I really like the genre, the um, just that sort of thought concept of like what what the future is going to be like, um, since technology is uh, is just so widespread. Um, it's interesting, like kind of reading this book because. I guess we are millennials. Mm -hmm. We grew up with the internet, but we didn't like have full access to the internet all the time. Like we didn't have the internet in our pocket. Where there there is going to be this generation of of people who from birth had accessible, like easy accessible access to the internet. And I wonder how that's going to affect things. I wonder how that's going to affect, like, people's um, growth 
people's uh, just the way that they think and the way that they interact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly um, it's different. Like, I mean, like like you're saying, like we're we're I think technically considered elder millennials, mm-hmm. um, and so you're right. Yeah, like we we grew up pre digital and post digital. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember being jealous of friends that had AOL. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was the thing, like the, we had the internet, but it just, it wasn't easily accessible. Like yeah. you had to be on your computer, you had to take up a landline, you know, and it was very slow speeds. And there was a lot of, um, there was just like a lot of forums out there. So I mean, when you're it's... looking up stuff, you actually had like type in an actual like address, a web address. Like I can't tell you the last time I actually typed out a full web address. Mainly, it's just been like uh, yeah. I just Google like this website and up oh, there's there's the uh, there's the link. Well, like I'm hoping. I'm hoping it leads to more information literacy because yes. like I remember when I was a like a graduate student like like doing the teaching the um like welcome to college type thing for for like first semester freshman mm-hmm. um one of the sections that that I did with the one of the librarians um on campus involved showing them this website right called mm-hmm. uh Oh, I forget the website, but it's, um, it's basically, it's made to look like a website. That's like a fundraiser to a fundraiser circa, like around the early two thousands to save the endangered Pacific Northwest tree octopus from extinction. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of photoshopping of this octopus in these trees and it looks real scientific information. And it's like, the po- the point that the librarian was making was be very careful what sources you yeah <laughs> you yeah like you can make up anything um, yeah the internet yeah which I, I think is a good thing because you know we we see how what happens when our parents and grandparents get on facebook and get the brain worms from yeah and and <laughs> i don't think the internet is you know i i think there's been a lot of good with the internet I think, you know, it, it gives that kind of accessibility. It gives that, like, yeah. interconnection. Um, there's been so many different sparks. Um, there's been a lot of, like, people who are super creative that found themselves a platform on the Internet. And they wouldn't have that particular platform to um, show off their crazy creative abilities so i i don't want people to have a like a takeaway that like we are demonizing the internet the i feel like the internet is is very valuable i'm just kind of curious to sort of see what effect this is going to have on people who were born with this easy accessible access to the internet because that's the major like theme within a lot of these like cyberpunk um pieces is is this easily accessible technology you know you have these um these digital worlds these digital places that you can easily 
access into and like have these conversations. Um, you have these like back alley areas where you can be secretive if you want. And it's interesting with the uh, concept of like the uh, hyperinflation where money's pretty much useless and that it's now all like this particular digital currency. And I've had, so I have a friend who is very much into cryptocurrency. And um, I remember them describing it as it's going to be the way of the future. It's, it's pretty much, they think that crypto will supersede our current, our current uh, um, currency. Our current currency that was that's a weird sentence but um but yeah i and and the thing is like i can see it i can see where it's this because really currency right now is just government backed money it, it, and and it's interesting because crypto is is not that it's not guaranteed by any sort of country but it has value because people place value on it. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, like, it, it's yeah, it's it's the very interesting thought process, and I'm not saying that's right. I, I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but it's it's a very interesting um, way to think about things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh... You going to get that Elon coin? No. Not at all. I um, there there is a coin for Elon, and it is insane. I feel like there's a coin, there's a crypto for anything and everything is, now. That's part of the problem with it is that like yeah, like I guess they have value, but like I I don't yeah. have the technical language for it. Um, it it seems. It seems silly to me in the same way that people who put all of their faith in, like, gold coins and stuff for yeah. when society falls. Um, but like what about stocks? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think stocks, that's you know, ridiculous as well. <laughs> but, um, like, mainly the, the, the two things, like, like especially... You know, this will date when we're recording this, but like Sam Bankman Freed and his his uh, crypto exchange has fallen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's because it's not backed up by anything. Anything. You have a lot of people there who are grifters and con artists. Yeah. And so it's very funny to me whenever. And, and I, I think you can see this across the board whenever like a tech company comes in to disrupt a an industry mm -hmm. um, like with crypto or like with Uber or with Airbnb and stuff like that. And they, they want to disrupt it and they want to change the rules, man. Right. But then they find out that those industries work a certain way for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> like you, the you see these people like. Well, yeah, like you, you see these things like like uh, Uber and Airbnb like having issues with people um, 
being being attacked or harassed or what whatnot and it's like yeah man that's that's why everyone has to to like buy all this extra insurance and take all these other precautions and like with crypto when you see like an exchange fail and people are like what i had a hundred thousand dollars in crypto where is all that now it's like well the banking industry has the fdic so (laughs) yeah but that's that's only for your like actual banking accounts like it's the same like if you have like stock in apple and apple goes down two dollars and you had like a thousand dollars in app or a thousand stock in apple i mean it it's just it it goes away but but isn't that kind of like not the soul of um of cyberpunk but like you're you're trying to you're trying to beat the system i mean you're trying to get a leg up over everybody be it cyber you know cyber enhancements you're trying to get the a leg up on the next person because in a lot of these stories you're always trying to get the the greatest and best technology and it's not because you want the greatest or best technology it's because you're trying to get one up on somebody or you know you're trying to like find a way to like break the rules because you're trying to accomplish a goal and yeah i mean you know yeah it's it's i mean it's interesting themes and it's interesting um just way of uh of thinking but you know it, it it's weird because like i i could see this like this could be a branch path to to a weird like future it could be something that does happen like this is not so far-fetched where like you know it's not like war of the rings that would never happen in our you know yeah universe but like this could happen yeah yeah well and i mean you know i i don't think that that it would happen like because part of it i think is him writing from his his perspective and like super super extreme examples of of the the like dystopias and stuff but like because and the reason i say that are the interesting things to read like if it wasn't that extreme if it was kind of like a a simmer then i don't think it would be as as yeah like i I mean the you know the book takes place in the 21st century which obviously we're in i don't think it'll happen that fast but i know no i for something like this yeah i don't think it would happen this fast but like i could see it within you know like our children's children's children yeah like because like, i mean you know you you see it with the continued weakening and crippling of u.s infrastructure like it would make a hundred percent sense for corporations to step in and be like well we'll take care of this but this is our land now yeah. that'd be <laughs> um, so scary gosh it, well i mean amazon's trying to build um uh, actual like towers. yeah so I'll pay like, you an amazon bucks yeah and pay you an amazon bucks kind of like the kong bucks that that protagonist gets paid paid with because the economy's crashed and like yeah it's it's um it's i mean it's it's believable it's you know not to the extreme example in the short amount of time 
that, that mm-hmm. he's positing because he's he's doing it for a fact. But, um, you know, like you see it with with merging media and the government is kind of toothless in stopping it with the the FTC because yeah, I mean because there's, there's like, no like back them up. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, it's like this is such a new, like relatively new, like technology area that there weren't like rules written and they're kind of like writing these rules on the fly and a lot of like the companies are again companies have lobbyists and they're paying a lot of people to be like push these rules back or you know don't make them as as invasive as well and it's also a side effect too of having people who are so goddamn old yeah yeah they don't understand yeah well it's it's like you know whenever you see um whenever you see people talking who are like i'll say centrist democratic politicians um proposing uh gun laws and stuff it's like well they they don't know how they work so like (laughs) they they don't know what they're proposing or they'll refer to things as loopholes and it's like nope that's not a loophole that's that's just the law you don't yeah but that's not a loophole um but but like with with specifically with the internet yeah it's like you said it's lobbyists but it's also people being too old to understand what's going on and and not having any experience with it but like i can see that happening just based on the fact that disney is allowed to buy up every media property they want and the ftc doesn't do anything yeah microsoft is buying up every video game developer and company they in sight and the ftc doesn't do anything I mean, you know, and it's weird you bring up, like, Disney, and Disney has its, like, own land. Disney has its, like, own, like, little, like... Oh, that's the deal in Florida. Yeah, you can live in, like, a Disney, like, city if you want to. You can get a house. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so, like, weird, like, living on, like, Disney Street, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like its own little kind of country yeah well i mean like i i'm i'm not sure what their deal in california is like i'm assuming just based on the state that they're they're in it's a little bit different but like at least in um florida like like that's their own little like sovereign place like they have their own fire department they have their own security they have their own sewage their own (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, like, um, um, infrastructure, it's Disney-based. Yeah, which part part of that, like, is, is like, okay, well, yeah, like, that lets them maintain this, this, uh, this feel and Mm -hmm. this, this, like, atmosphere or whatever, but it also leads to really dark dystopian things like, you know, nobody ever dies in Disney? Yeah, um, that's because, because they, they have ambulance services that they get you out the, through the tunnels that are built underneath this. And I know this sounds like red string conspiracy, whatever, but like they do have, large, <laughs> they're like, they're kind of like Vegas in that, that they've built um, tunnels underneath the park to get like food places for people to change costumes and stuff. Yeah. You never see someone changing out of their costume. Yeah, that would that would break the immersion. That would break the immersion. Yeah, but it also leads to like if someone has a heart attack, 
their ambulance services take them take them out of the park and even if they died in the park they're they're notated as having died outside of the park <laughs> yeah i think also like ambulances turn off their sirens once they yes. get into like the, the facility yeah. just so it doesn't bother the other guests mm-hmm yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's so strange. that's a weird dystopian thing that and and comes completely from a corporation having way too much freedom and how too they much operate. freedom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you can see that like you know times a hundred, and you're like, okay, well, yeah, well, I guess corporations own land and the majority of uh, of rights and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, yes, yes. Um, I would I would recommend this book. I would recommend this book as like a thought process experience, um, especially if you enjoy the cyberpunk genre and you kind of want to see a different spin on it, a different kind of um, take on the the whole like genre. I also think that it is well written and accessible. Like, it, it, there's not that much like technical language in it. It yeah. doesn't get all like super crazy with its like um, because you know sometimes when people write in in that cyberpunk like universe, they'll come up with the craziest like technologically sounding words, and it just like you read over that word and your eyes just kind of gloss over it. It may as well be fantasy at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then they refer back to that thing and you're like, what is that thing? Yeah. And then you have to do like some like cross-referencing. So there's none of that. Um, and yeah. And, and I think it's just the language is very accessible. I think that it's, I mean, it's not, it's not short, but it's not too terribly long. Yeah, it's it's like just over 400 pages, I think. So it's not like forever to yeah. read. Like it's it's uh, he he's definitely written much longer works than this and much yes. denser works. Um, yes. th this is very approachable. Um, but my my other like side note is like if you want a pure like cyberpunk like sort of like neon lights, cyber enhancements, things along those lines there are a lot better books out there than this book yes um, yeah this isn't like it's it's cyber it, it's definitely cyberpunk but it's yeah. it's very low on what what that term brings to mind mm -hmm. um you know obviously the one that started it as neuromancer there's um hardwired by Walter John Williams. I, I was just looking at my bookshelf because I was like, what is the name of that? Because it, it's <laughs> hardwired is the book that the game cyberpunk is based on. Yeah. So that's got way more of a feel of, of what I think most people picture when they, when they think cyber. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you know, when I think cyberpunk, I think, yeah, neuromancer and signs in different Asian languages. languages. Yeah, you think of um, like net running, like hacking yeah. in sort of like either movies like The Matrix or um, uh, what was that other one where they were trying to determine if robots 
or human or not human um has um oh what was that um are you talking about irobot no it wasn't irobot it was um ah this is going to kill me anyway we can we can move on we can move on (laughs) um so you know, there's there's been a lot like the the last bet that I have on it is uh, I always want to see what the status is on something we read on on whether or not it's being made into a uh, like a movie or a show or whatnot. I think this would work way better as a show. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like society disagrees. Uh, so this has never been adapted yet, but oh, um, yeah. Kennedy Marshall optioned it way back in 1996. Which is kind of weird because with the book being written in 92, they had a few years to pick it up. I feel like now when you have properties like this, you just have studios buying up the rights, just like sight unseen before it's even published. Um, just on the off chance that they can make a, a product out of it. But Blade Runner. Blade um, Runner was the movie I was thinking of. What was it? Blade, Blade Runner? Runner? Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I had to look no, that no. one up. So, um, yeah, no, uh, Kennedy Marshall bought it in 96. Um, in 2012, Paramount was going to make a movie series out of it with Joe Cornish directing. He he did um, Attack the Block, for anyone who's... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I actually like that movie. Yeah, I really like it. It was going to be his second, like, big, big movie. But that fell through um, because, that, like, they were starting to film in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um or no, they were in 2013. They they had plotted out starting to film in 2016 or 2017. 2017, Amazon enters the picture and they want to make a series out of it. Um, in 2019, HBO Max uh, acquired the rights alongside Paramount to do something with it. And then in 2021, HBO Max announced that they were dropping it from their roster and all the rights would revert to Paramount and Kennedy Marshall. So it's just kind of been lingering since 1996. That's never good. <laughs> um, so that's not a good sign on it ever seeing the light of day. But, you know, um, say la vie. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, one can hope that it could uh, turn into... Because I do think that would make a good um, series. I don't think yeah, it would yeah. make a good movie. I think, you know, it could probably be like one of those like Netflix exclusives or oh, yeah. maybe on like HBO or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And end, end of the day, I give this book a, a solid B plus. Oh, okay. Oh, I just gave it a solid B. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, again, it, I, I think it's good, but I think it's kind of, it fits a niche, um, uh, because you have to like cyberpunk. Like, yeah. you, I feel like you have to kind of like that genre, and you have to kind of like look towards a, um, a different view of the genre that you like. But I, again, I do think it's good. Like, B's not a bad grade. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, with that, you know, our uh, our next book club book is my pick, which is a little bit darker, a little bit older. Um, it is George Stewart's 1949 novel, Earth Abides. The uh, Earth Abides, dude. 
Earth abides, dude. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the first thing I thought. Earth abides. <laughs> yeah. It does really have that that um, feel of a book that has to be read by, like, if there's an audiobook of it, like, it has to be read by Sam Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> the Earth abides. Men go and come, but Earth abides. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, so uh yeah we'll, we'll be talking about that but uh next up um you and i will be talking about matrix resurrections uh, yeah more, more technology cyberpunk. more cyberpunk <laughs> more better more cyberpunk more good <laughs> <laughs> right that's that's how it works right yes yeah. <laughs> all right see ya See you later.